This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WWE pay-per-view plans for 2022. AEW stars stayed outside venue during Dynamite Grand Slam. And I give you my thoughts on last night's WWE Extreme Rules. I'm Jaden Becker and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. WWE has now officially confirmed the 2022 Royal Rumble event will take place in St. Louis, Missouri on Saturday, January 29th. Specifically, the Rumble is set for the Dome at America Center with over 40,000 fans expected to be in attendance. The company seems to be uh, getting in the habit nowadays of uh, putting on shows on Saturdays uh, after uh, SummerSlam and even after WrestleMania, after do Saturday-Sunday events. Uh, even coming up now, uh, in the beginning of January, for the pay-per-view named uh, Day One, uh, WWE is airing a pay-per-view on January 1st, 2022, which is a Saturday, and now the Rumble on January 29th, which is also a Saturday. In more pay-per-view news, WWE is possibly heading to the UK. WWE hasn't had a pay-per-view in the United Kingdom since 2003. This may change soon, as according to What Culture, a WWE source has said that WWE is planning a major pay-per-view event in September of 2022 to take place in the United Kingdom. Not only is WWE hoping to bring the show to the UK, but they are reportedly aiming to have 90,000 fans in attendance. You heard that right. 90,000 fans in attendance. Uh, Wimbledon, I think, can hold that. Uh, I'm not really too familiar with a lot of the venues in the United Kingdom, but 90,000 fans? That would be... Uh, it wouldn't be a record, but it would be uh, a lot, <laughs> to say the least. A lot. A lot coming over to have some WWE in the UK. Moving outside of WWE pay-per-view news, uh, AEW star stayed outside of venue during Dynamite Grand Slam. This past Wednesday's uh, AEW Dynamite took place at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York, which I attended. And uh, before the show got going, Kip Sabian held another, quote, unauthorized meet and greet with fans where he wore a box on his head and scribbled random things on his 8x10. I saw him. I saw him. And uh, I needed to get to my seat. So I figured, all right, Kip Sabian's there, but in hindsight, should I have taken a picture with him? Sure. But I did see him. He was there. And the line was a little, I wouldn't say it was a long line, but there was a line there to go see him. So I wasn't waiting on a line. But uh, we all knew that uh, there was someone there underneath that that uh, cardboard hat that he was wearing, but it being Kip Sabian. Uh, maybe I should have waited in that line, but who knows? I got there around... Uh, 6.45, and I wanted to be there for 7 for the start of Dark, because uh, I spent good money on that ticket. I wanted to watch the whole show, all five hours of it, you know, at their ass, from Dark to Dynamite to Rampage. I wanted to see every match or every moment of it, so uh, I'm not too, too mad that I missed out on Kip Sabian, but the fact that I can say that I walked past him and saw him there, you know, but this is not, I don't know, falsality of news. I saw him with my own eyes. My own eyes, I saw Kip Sabian. So, uh, yeah, he, he was just sitting there in front of a statue, and um, he had the cardboard box over his head with two holes cut out, and he was signing 8 by 10s I was mentioned uh, in the news piece, and um, he was just there in a suit. So uh, Kip Sabian is also supposed to be coming back from injury soon on the 8 by 10s that he was scribbling on. People would ask him questions, and he would write on the 8 by 10 his answers. And people ask, I apologize, people ask, what, how was your injury? And uh, he would say, um, oh, he's he's uh, he's recovering. He would write recovering on the um, on the 
eight by ten, and then people ask when are you coming back, and he writes soon on the eight by ten. So that's how he was able to communicate there. All right, that's it for the news. We're gonna get right into WWE Extreme Rules, and there has been a lot of controversy and a lot of talk over social media and Twitter and everything like that. And we all know how this goes in the IC, uh, you know, the pro wrestling community. So let's just let's just get through it because. Uh, I have a lot to say about it, and I'm going to break this up into two parts. It's all going to stay in this episode, but I'm going to break it up with that, break in the middle. Um, but let's start off at least with the beginning of the card before we get to the main event. And um, just, I just want to give you fair warning. Now, I'm not going to ream into it because I thought it was pretty good. I, thought, I didn't think it was too, too bad. A lot of people have uh, have uh, bad words to say about it because of Finn Balor and what they did with the demon and how they quote-unquote ruined him. And uh, I don't think it's that extreme. I honestly really don't. So, all right, let's just get into the pay-per-view from the jump. And uh, starting off, uh, first, let's talk about the pre-show for a little bit. And let's just, let's talk about the pre-show for a little bit. Uh, Forget the match. Well, let's not forget the match because that's important to talk about as well. Liv Morgan versus Carmella. Liv Morgan goes over and gets the win. Uh, But her moment, obviously a little bit distracted given the fact that WWE's production value took a major plummet in the pre-show and at the start of the actual pay-per-view itself. On commentary, not only could I hear Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, but I also heard the Spanish broadcast. I also heard the French broadcast. I also heard, I felt like I heard every language under the sun. There was an issue on Peacock. I'm not sure if it was a WWE truck issue or if it was a Peacock issue specifically. It, where, where it was out of WWE's hands and Peacock had to fix it themselves. But the issue was every commentary booth, it seemed like, in every language was being aired over program at the exact same time. So you could hear the English broadcast, Spanish broadcast, French broadcast, all at the exact same time. And it was giving people, uh, obviously, struggles to watch the show because you're trying to listen to Michael Cole and Pat McAfee talk, but you're also hearing the Spanish broadcast and the French broadcast. All at the same time, it was overwhelming and obviously took away from the product on screen, which Liv Morgan, even though it was a pre-show, she was having a big moment for herself getting a pay-per-view win or a kickoff show win, if you will. So with that being said... Uh, I was up in arms. I really, really was up in arms because, you know, as it currently stands right now, all WWE really has over AEW at the moment is production value. And WWE will always have production value over AEW and Impact and Ring of Honor and New Japan just because the money that gets pumped into it and the eye for detail that goes into it is second to none. WWE failed last night on Extreme Rules and that kickoff show with their production value making them no better than Impact, making them no better than uh, these lesser quote-unquote shows. Because right now, the on-screen product isn't too great, isn't too great comparative to AEW. AEW just put together a super card for a, a, a free television on Grand Slam and Rampage. They put together a super card for that. You know, WWE can't uh, mind themselves to do that for a Raw or a SmackDown. You know, they would never. You know, they're going to get their money's worth out of it for a pay-per-view because they hold a pay-per-view every month. So that that's what I'm trying to get to here. If your production value isn't there, WWE, what do you have to hang your hat on? What do you have going forward? Because your in-ring product it doesn't hold the candle to AEW at the moment. Maybe outside of a few matches and a few wrestlers like Roman Reigns. But other than that, what do you have to hang your hat on if your production value isn't there? Your pyro? Yeah, your pyro is great. 
doesn't matter if you have the Spanish and the French and the Japanese and the Chinese and the Korean and the every broadcast booth is seen like over speaking over each other because you can't get your stuff straight. And if it's a peacock issue, it's a peacock issue. That's fine. It's out of WWE's hands. They can't fix that. But if it's a peacock issue, then that has to be fixed. Didn't you just pay them a billion dollars? Not joking. A billion dollars to hold your product and your, your video library and all stuff like that. A billion. And they can't get that right. I would get my billion back if, I, if they're not getting that right. So that's all I got to say about that. Liv Morgan goes over. She wins that match in the pre-show. And uh, good on her. I think she, we can expect some big stuff from her for uh, Queen of the Ring. And uh, I think she might go all the way and win it, possibly. Because I had her winning Money in the Bank. Not that. Go do Queen of the Ring. Give her a good gimmick outside of her just being um, a pretty face to look at. In the ring. Because honestly, that's what WWE has done with her. That's it. You know, They keep her on TV so much, I think, in my humble opinion. Keep her on TV so much because she's a pretty face to look at. That that, And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not saying that she's bad in ring. I think she's fantastic in ring. I think she's able. she has great facials. I think she... Uh, moves around very well. She's able to move from spot to spot. She's able to take good bumps. I'm saying all that, but that's m one of the main reasons why she's been around for so, so long, comparatively so to the Ruby Riots of the world getting the boot. You know, even though their in-ring prowess is, is comparative, you know, WWE might think differently. So that that's all I have to say. I, I mean, no, no ill will by that. I mean, they're with all good intentions. It's just, you know, it's a tough way to look at it, but I do think Liv Morgan deserves better in this company. So... Uh, we'll see how she does in Queen of the Ring, and I think she will do a good job. All right, let's move on to the actual card for Extreme Rules. Um, let's start off, obviously, with the it's going order here: the New Day versus Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles and Omos. This match was not previously booked, but was made on the pre-show after a brawl was endured backstage. So, let's start off with that. As I mentioned, the broadcast language is mixing on air, even at the start of the pay-per-view, which you hate to see. Getting into the match, Unicorn Stampede in the corner onto Lashley. Uh, Kofi Kingston ends up all alone at one point uh, with no one to tag in as both Biggie and Xavier Woods were uh, laid out ringside. Uh, Woods ends up finally getting in on a hot tag but is caught by Lashley for a huge slam. Biggie then in on a hot tag. Big splash, Pele kick from Styles. Urinagi in the corner from Biggie. Uh, usually at the beginning, I didn't really like the Urinagi in the corner because it was such a setup spot. It was such a spot like. Biggie did every single match, and uh, I, I'm still not 100% with it because as soon as you see him in the corner, you know it's coming as soon as someone starts charging towards him, but then again, it is like a signature spot for him. The spot I love from Biggie the most is the splash onto the ring apron. It's For me, it's reminiscent of Undertaker's leg drop onto the apron, uh, even though obviously different moves, sort of the same type of idea. And it, for me, it gets over in that same exact way. You know, it, for it, for me, I hold those two moves on the same level. And it's fine to have moves that you do every match, but it's tough when that move has to be set up so specifically and it's so predictable to see, especially when you see it. Oh, Biggie's on the in the corner on the hard camera side. Ah, geez, you know, facing the hard camera. Ah, geez, there here he comes. Styles about to get your nagi in the corner because it, it happens almost every single match with Biggie. But I guess it's growing on me a bit. Uh, Kingston is chopped in midair by Omos as Kingston flies from the middle of the ring over the top rope, and then Omos is his big hand hitting Kingston right across the chest. Lashley and Styles have some uh, dissension in this match, and Lashley accidentally spears Styles. Biggie hits Lashley with the big ending, and the New Day come out with the victory here. Uh, 
Sadly, match. I was a little surprised that Lashley was going to take the pinfall here. Obviously, coming off the distraction of hitting his own teammate. Uh, I thought Styles was going to take the pinfall here when this match was booked uh, because we knew the New Day was going over given the fact that it's a, the established trio of going up against the newly formed trio of Lashley, Styles, and Omos for the night. Uh, so we know the New Day was going over. We just had to figure out who was taking the pinfall for Lashley, Styles, and Omos. Omos wasn't going to do it. I really didn't think Lashley was going to do it, so I thought Styles was going to be the one to fall on his back there, but Lashley being the one to take the pinfall and to Big E, of course, the WWE champion, uh, setting up for stuff in the future and obviously setting up stuff for tonight on Raw, which I'll get a, get into at the end of the show. All right, moving on to our next match, the Street Profits versus the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Uh, Montez Ford, uh, he has his ribs taped up, uh, going back to and harping back to the end of uh, SmackDown, the beating that he got from the Usos and Roman Reigns. Usos focuses on the ribs early on, which is good. Great visual of Ford reaching for the hot tag with Dawkins reaching out with all his might. So the two, like, uh, you know, like, like the, that painting that they have at the Sistine Chapel where the two are, you know, they're reaching for each other with their fingertips barely trying to touch, but they just can't reach. Um, almost the same type of idea there where Montez Ford is reaching, 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 and Angela Dawkins reaching, reaching, but they just can't reach each other. So it's a really good visual and really good camera angles there. Uh, wild back body drop from uh, the Street Profits and assisted back body drop by that with uh, Montez Ford taking a huge bump off the top rope even though he was the one that was delivering the move anointed from Dawkins and Ford's ribs get destroyed from a knees up from a frog splash I love how he keeps on doing the frog splash even though his ribs just can't take it anymore in a kayfabe sense I love that he just keeps on going back to it uh, Dawkins attacked from the outside Ford jumps onto the Usos over the ring post, which is one of my favorite spots that Ford does where he jumps from the middle of the ring pretty much over the ring post onto the outside. Love when he does that. Ford can't capitalize after another frog splash because of his ribs, really just selling those ribs to, to no end. And a double splash from the Usos onto Ford for the Usos to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I love what they did with Ford's ribs in this match. If, if I had to describe this match in two words, it's Ford's ribs. Because it was great storytelling throughout with his ribs. He comes in taped up, and then he ends up getting that bandaging ripped off, and the Usos are just going after those ribs, uh, pretty much the, as if there's a bullseye on it. And then Ford, his finishing move, that big frog splash from the top rope, which he sells so, so well because he gets so much elevation on it. And, you know, an average person, if you're jumping from that high and landing on someone else from that high up, your ribs are going to hurt, and he does it so much. It kind of makes sense in a way with the way he's telling that story. And for the fact, as I mentioned, that he keeps on going for that move he keeps on trying to do that frog splash his ribs haven't been the same for like months his ribs have been in a kayfabe sense have been destroyed for months because i don't remember he doesn't really get many pinfall victories off of that frog splash unless it's like truly truly a, a, a match that they're definitely going to go over in but in, in even matches he really doesn't get pinfall victories because he sells it so well after the fact that uh, it takes so long for him to crawl over and get that pinfall because he's sealing those ribs. So uh, good on Ford. Good on Ford. I really I love what they're doing with him and uh, the Street Profits. They're going to break up at one point in the future. I hope that isn't a detriment to Angela Dawkins in any way. Odds are it is because when a tag team breaks up, 
most of the time, most of the time, not always, most of the time, uh, one really falls to the wayside or one is elevated to uh, top title position and one is elevated to maybe the mid-card title position. So usually that's how it goes. Uh, Ford is obviously going to be the one that ends up on top given the fact that he, he already had a match of Roman Reigns and looked way better for it. So I give a lot of credit to Montez Ford. I can't see wait to see what happens with the Street Profits in the future along with Angela Dawkins as well. All right, moving on to the Raw Women's Championship match, Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte Flair. Flair coming into this one as the Raw Women's Champion. Great ring gear for Bliss. Uh, still has the, the paint and play stuff on it. That's all stemming back all the way from uh, Bray Wyatt. And, uh, you know, talk about originality and stuff like that. I still love that line from Flair. They played that a few times throughout Extreme Rules, uh, which really got that line over for me. And I, I think that was really nice. Great hair on Flair as well. She did a good job. And they both look fantastic in the ring. They both know how to make great uh, ring gear as well for themselves. Bliss with a great senton to the outside early on. Charlotte with some unique submissions working the upper back, shoulders, and neck of Alexa Bliss. Uh, huge double moonsault spot from Flair where she went for the moonsault. Bliss moves out the way. Flair lands on her feet. But Bliss still on the ground after moving out the way. Flair just flipping again in a moonsault form, uh, which looked really, really nice. Flair just outpowering Bliss in this one, which is I thought was pretty smart. Uh, from a storytelling perspective as well, just given the size difference. Uh, Flair being obviously a lot bigger than Alexa Bliss. A lot of people are a lot bigger than Alexa Bliss. You know, the five feet, five feet of fury, as she was once called. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really nice to see Flair really using power to her advantage in this match. Flair grabs Lily after Bliss fights back into the match. The distraction leads to Flair hitting the natural selection to retain. And then Flair rips apart Lily and then holds up both uh, the belt and Lily's carcass, if you will, just like the outer shell of Lily with the stuffing all ripped out. And great visual with both the belt and Lily held over her head. I, I really liked that. I thought that was a really, really nice look. After the match... Uh, this sent uh, Bliss into a rage, but uh, Flair still took advantage of Bliss and, and her rage and sent Bliss over the announce table. It was a fun match and definitely not the end of this story for sure. Uh, I would be surprised now if uh, I had Bliss winning this match on my predictions, but as I said, it could have gone 50-50 either way. This was almost a pick em, if you will. This could have gone either way. Um, it just would have led to different paths for both people uh, after it. But given the fact now, after the extracurriculars after the match, these two are nowhere near done. And uh, definitely a fun match. Uh, Bliss, she rages after uh, picking up Lily's stuffing and the carcass of Lily, if you will. She rages for a little bit too long, I think. Uh, they had her on camera for an awkward amount of time because they had her picking up all the pieces and she was doing this very slow, picking up all the pieces, holding Lily in her arms like a baby, and then walking to the backstage area. Uh, still camera focused all the way on her the whole way through. Felt like she was on camera for like three, four minutes after Flair was completely long gone. So it felt like it was a little bit long, but I'm not going to uh, poo-poo it too much. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to go through the United States Championship match, the SmackDown Women's Championship match, and of course, our main event between Roman Reigns and the Demon Finn Balor, the Universal Championship match, which was an Extreme Rules match as well. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast.
On this day in pro wrestling history, on September 27th, 1965, Bruno San Martino's WWF championship belt was stolen from a locked car in New York City. San Martino, at the time the belt was stolen, was eating at a restaurant following an event at Madison Square Garden. The belt San Martino uh, once held was never recovered. And uh, they say that it was found like back in 2012 in like an attic somewhere, but there's no confirmation if that was the actual belt or if it was a really, really close replica or something like that. So they're saying that it possibly was found, but uh, never was recovered. San Martino obviously would get a new belt. Uh, I believe this WWF championship belt was the one with the United with the the shape of the United States on it, and it looked like it could just stab you right in your pancreas, <laughs> so or right in your appendix. So it, it probably wasn't the best looking belt. Uh, there's pictures of it out there, but uh, maybe it was a good thing it was stolen because then it led to us getting the big eagles and all, all those championships of the world. So um, yeah. Very, very nice, but uh, an odd story, an oddball story here on September 27th, uh, here now in uh, 2021. Get to look back 50-some-odd years later. All right, let's move on to uh, our part two of WWE Extreme Rules and my review of it. Start off with the Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus versus Damian Priest match for the United States Championship. Brawling on the outside from the jump, uh, Sheamus in control throughout most of this match. Uh, he being the one that both Priest and Hardy have to go through in ring as Sheamus pretty, stands tall throughout most out, most of this one. Double whisper in the wind from Hardy. Sheamus with a hilarious Hardy taunting on the top rope. We've all done that before as a kid. or you know We've all done that before where we're standing on top of our bed and you know, we, we do the Jeff Hardy uh, finger wags and the arm movements and stuff like that. I'm doing it in my chair right now, but you can't see me because we're in podcast form. But either way. Uh, we've all done that from time to time, especially as a kid. I remember that vividly. Um, he does get a good uh, knee drop from the top rope, Sheamus. Hardy saves a pinfall with a swanton bomb, and Priest rolls up Sheamus to retain the United States Championship. I love what they're doing with Damian Priest. I, I hope he continues to be the United States Championship for a while. Sheamus now, after this, I think we could find him over moving in the draft. Uh, Jeff Hardy, I think he's going to continue to be along for the ride, helping get younger talent over. Uh, even though he uh, did be carrying cross at one point, you know, it, for for Hardy, I wouldn't say he's up in the air. I think he'll have one final big run at some point. Jeff Hardy, I don't think he'll just whisper off into the distance with uh, nothing to show for it. I think he'll have one final big run. Um, it could be a WWE Championship for a career match, something like, along those lines, at a SummerSlam or at a Survivor Series or something like that. I think we can see that at one point, maybe even at a Mania. Uh, I don't think they put him in a main event for Mania. That's why I'm, I, I try to stay away from that. But I think we could see a career match for Hardy coming up. Maybe not now, but or maybe better put it, uh, Jeff Hardy, uh, his time at the WWE is up up for the line uh, as he goes against someone. Maybe go, let's say he has a match against Roman Reigns. And uh, Hardy will leave the WWE and then go to AEW. Same thing as they did with uh, Daniel Bryan. Same type of idea for, for Hardy because I, th I think his time in WWE is coming up and uh, I think he, Hardy might want to go over to AEW at some point and meet up with his brother over there. All right, moving on to our next match, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Becky, uh, excuse me, Belair picks up Lynch for the KOD 
within the first few seconds of the match, which is fun to see. Lynch keeps on rolling out to the outside to regroup uh, her, Becky Lynch, you know, chirping it up with the fans, chirping it up with Michael Cole, and, uh, you know, trying to say, oh, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, you know. Uh, the crowd is kind of split down the middle in this one in Ohio. Um, you know, half for Belair, half for Becky Lynch, even though Becky Lynch is trying her best to be the best heel she can be. Uh, I, this is still Becky Lynch's decision to do this. I think she could have came back as a babyface and would have been fine uh, coming back as a heel. Yes, I guess it's a fresh take to Becky Lynch that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's so going to be so tough for people to boo Becky Lynch, much similar to how it was so tough for people to boo Austin back in the 2000s, you know, as, a, as he was trying to be a heel on uh, the invasion angle. So it, it was tough. Right now, it's tough for me to boo Becky Lynch, you know, because I know how great she is. I know how uh, amazing of a face she is and how, honestly, you just, you just can't. You just can't, after, especially after WrestleMania 35 and after Ronda and everything like that. You know, after, after breaking her nose, you know, after, after everything. It's really, really tough to boo Becky Lynch. You know, for her to go have a baby and come back. Uh, you know, decide not to stay away and come back. You know, a lot of people respect that. You know, maybe it might not even be uh, a cheering thing. It's just a lot of people respect the fact that Becky Lynch is still here wrestling. So it's tough. It's tough. But Lynch does do some heelish things, which is uh, using the hair of Bianca Belair. Right? My notes, oh, what a heel. What a heel, Becky Lynch, using the hair of Bianca Belair. Huge power from Belair. And I love how she doesn't show it all the time, her power. It's not like the basis of her moveset is her being powerful because it's both powerful and athletic and the agility and the speed of Belair. It's all shown throughout her moveset. So that's why... I, I enjoy Belair so much because when she does need to be powerful, she shows it exactly when she needs to. You know, exactly in the moment where she needs to be powerful, she does it. When she needs to be quick, she does it. It's not one thing the entire match. She she splits herself up in different ways, which is really, really nice. The action falls outside Belair uh, into the steel steps. Big leg drop from Lynch from the top rope twice. And then the two trade pinfall attempts uh, disarm her into a KOD attempt. And Sasha Banks, yes, Sasha Banks, she returns and attacks Bianca Belair, ending the match in disqualification, giving Bianca Belair the victory. But, of course, uh, championship advantage. Becky Lynch leaves with the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bank, Banks, as well, attacks uh, Becky Lynch. So, obviously... Banks' return isn't just against Bianca Belair, but also going for the SmackDown Women's title. But look at those three standing in the ring at that time. If you go back and you watch it, yeah, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks standing in the ring, that's pretty big for SmackDown. That's pretty big for SmackDown. And I think all three will stay. The only one I think would leave now would be Bianca Belair to go over to... Raw, we already saw Belair Banks, That's what, and we saw it at the main event of WrestleMania, so that's why I'm saying we don't really need to see a rematch. It was fun for us to, for, to get a chance to see it at SummerSlam, but I think we might have gotten something better in the surprise of Becky Lynch making her return. So uh, it's a give and take there, but for Bianca Belair, for her to go over to Raw now... Uh, for a future opportunity at the Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair, that would be a fun match to have at Ro the Royal Rumble or at, or at uh, WrestleMania to have Flair versus uh, Bianca Belair. But as it currently stands, if all three stay on SmackDown, that works out perfect as well.
you know, either way you go, that works out perfect. So I'm not going to be too mad either way. And um, just speaking about it now, I just talked about Charlotte Flair. I just talked about Becky Lynch. I just talked about Sasha Banks. Uh, one person I'm omitting to talk about is Bailey. You know, the the one of the four horsewomen. Where has she been? You know, obviously she's been off TV for quite some time, but we also have to remember she did carry. Uh, throughout the pandemic, so she's very deserving of time off, but we have to hope this is time off and not, uh, you're just not being used, you know, that's a big difference, there's a big difference between time off and not being used, so let's just hope this is time off for now, and she's had quite substantial amount of time off, uh, especially after WrestleMania, her not being used or being used to be beat up by the Bella Twins, which was not great to see, but uh, we could have seen Bailey in a match there, but uh, guess not. You know, Bailey come back and um, go. Oh, excuse me, Becky Lynch come back and go face Bailey. We could have seen that, but no. I guess the Bella Twins was the better option there. You know, the low light of the the entire card when Becky Lynch versus Bailey could have been a highlight of the entire show. Either way, either way, we talk about those four horsewomen. Maybe we see Bailey get back involved as well. So, a lot to think about there for the SmackDown Women's Division as you move on to the SmackDown. Main event picture with Roman Reigns taking on the demon Finn Balor. This is for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, of course, your Universal Champion. And this is a extreme rules match. And if you go throughout the rest of the card, as I go through my notes here, oh yeah, this is the only quote-unquote extreme match on the whole show. And uh, I thought this pay-per-view was called Extreme Rules. I remember as a kid, I remember younger, even a few years back, Extreme Rules, the majority of the matches on the card were uh, maybe not not every match was an extreme rules match but majority matches on the card had a type of gimmick match assigned to it which uh, gave it a quote-unquote extreme feel whether if it was just an, a kendo stick match whether it was a false count anywhere match a last man standing match something along those lines where each match at least had a gimmick placed towards it in a quote-unquote extreme sense that would have been fine to see. Even if you go back to last year's Extreme Rules, you had an eye for an eye match, you had a swamp match, you had a couple of these crazy things that at least made the show feel extreme in a way, even though, though it was kind of kiddish. It did kind of make the show feel extreme, so for now they go in the complete opposite direction and just go one Extreme Rules match to end the show it doesn't really do it for me, if especially you're naming the whole card after it being extreme rules, you know, <laughs> naming the whole show after it. But either way, a normal match early on between Reigns and uh, Finn Balor, the demon Finn Balor, pretty normal match early on. Uh, Balor was the first one to pull out. Well, Roman Reigns pulls out a kendo stick on his own, and then Balor goes to pull out an extendo kendo stick for himself. This is a kendo stick that has like four kendo sticks attached to it on the top. Uh, it was a great visual of the reveal of the stick because uh, we had on one side of the ring Roman Reigns standing up and then picking up his kendo stick and then Finn Balor standing up picking up his extendo stick and I was like whoa that was a nice shot that they had there. Uh, that was a pretty good visual. Pat McAfee uh, being a jerk on commentary you know and I, he's okay what I'll say about Pat McAfee I love him. I think he's great on color. I think he does a fantastic job uh, because he's able to take what's going on in the outside world into pro wrestling in a way that's not too, too cheesy. But today, well, yesterday on um, 
Extreme Rules last night. He he just talked about Justin Tucker's. If you guys don't know, Justin Tucker kicked a 66-yard field goal in the NFL, which is the NFL record, or the, yes, the NFL record for the longest field goal in NFL history. Which yes, it's very impressive, and yes, it was a game winner. But for him to talk about it, I think he talked about it like three, four times throughout the entirety of the show. If he talked about it once on a good kick, then yeah, that would have been fine. But he talked about it like three, four, five times. I think he might have mentioned it once per match at this point. And yeah, I understood that you're trying to get special teams over because in, in, he was a punter in, in his previous career as an NFL punter, now as a broadcaster. Because he's, I can't just call, you can't label him Pat McAfee anything because he's so many things. You know, he's the podcast host, radio host, color commentator for WWE, he does everything. You know, to label him something is tough, but for him to to now bring it over but talk about it so much, you know, it kind of made an ass out of himself and of everything there. All right, Balor is sent into the crowd. And now this is arguably, this moment right here, arguably might be my favorite moment of pro wrestling this year um moment like my, my favorite maybe not match maybe not yeah obviously not match but like but this, this moment right here favorite moment in pro wrestling this year so balor is sent into the crowd and then reigns he's about to go follow balor into the crowd but he has paul hammer right next to him roman reigns extends out his hand and Paul Heyman puts a mask into his hand and Roman Reigns puts on a mask, like the, a COVID mask, like as if, you know, the, the COVID is going into the general public. He puts on a mask and he goes out and then it starts beating up Finn Balor with the mask on. I know it sounds so little. I know it doesn't sound as if it's anything much, but him grabbing that mask, putting that mask on and going out into the crowd is such great, even though even if it wasn't even intentional, and, and I'm gonna give WWE the benefit of the doubt and saying that it was, and odds are it wasn't, but even if it wasn't intentional, him to put on that mask was probably the most heelish thing someone could ever do, ever do, and also being COVID safe in the same way. You can't really boo him for it. You can't really boo him for it because in actuality and in the real world, you know Roman Reigns. He's a cancer survivor. He had leukemia. So he, he you know, he's immunocompromised. And if anyone's going to be COVID safe, it's going to be Roman Reigns because he previously had cancer. So it, that was the whole reason why he was off WWE TV for so, so long because he had cancer. So for him to go out into the crowd with the mask on, it's also the same way to say, oh, I have to be amongst the general public. Even though Ballot's not, I'm going to put my mask on because I, I can't trust these these people from Ohio, I can't trust that. Oh, for me, that was so golden. So, 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 so golden. I loved every second of it. And as soon as he got back over, they got back into the, the ring area. He had the mask off. He didn't have it back on for the rest of them. It's fine. But while they were fighting on the outside and fighting into the crowd, wearing that mask, for me, made made this match. Made this match. Oh, loved every second of it. Uh, from from that point, from the mask perspective, I, I was glued to the TV right there. I, I, oh, great spot there by by Roman Reigns, a spear by Roman and a kick out by Balor. But that Balor is a, a kick out is a low blow. 
the coup de gras hits jimmy and jay uso interfere but balor saves himself roman then spears balor through the barricade and then in one of the odder spots of this match and i think there's a spot where a lot of people were upset about was you could hear over the pa and over the the crowd mic uh Balor's heartbeat, if you will, beating through the crowd, and the lights would flash red every time the heart would beat, but Balor would be on the ground, sort of, people are comparing to him, like, flapping like a jellyfish on the ground, people are over-exaggerating, he was just, he's being the demon, he, he's acting out of body, an act of out of body experience, and then Balor resurrects as if he no-sells the spear through the barricade, and then goes absolutely insane with the red light on, and the music playing in the background of him just destroying Roman Reigns, sending him through a table, attacking him at all costs, uh, Finn Balor really going up to a next level. And I thought it was a pretty good visual as well with the red light and, the, and his theme music playing in the background as he was destroying Roman Reigns. Balor on the top rope going for another coup de gras, but an abundant twist of events that you saw in this match, uh, the top rope breaks intentionally so this was a gimmick spot the top rope breaks with balor standing on the top of it he falls down to the mat uh the demon the lights go back to normal there's no longer red the music turns off the demon sort of out of his element for a second he has to realize what just happened he turns around takes the spear from roman reigns and then one two three the match is over roman reigns retains the wwe universal championship and now everyone's up in arms everyone's up in arms oh the demon lost. Oh no. The demon lost. They ruined him. This was hilariously bad, quote. I saw that in a thumbnail somewhere. Hilariously bad. They ruined the demon. Shut up. Shut up. It was a fine match. Both of them put on a really good show. I thought I thought they did a really good job, both Roman Reigns and the demon. Uh, Finn Balor. They, obviously, I, I, what would people rather have wanted? For Roman Reigns to beat Balor clean, the demon clean, would you rather have wanted that? Where, uh, you know, the, you spear him and you pin him one, two, three in the middle of the ring? you rather have that happened? Or would you rather have some type of, of, of saving grace here for Finn Balor and the demon where Roman Reigns pretty much didn't really win this match? He won because the ring broke. If the top rope of that ring didn't break, Roman Reigns probably wouldn't have won this match. That is the type of story that WWE is trying to tell because after the match, Roman Reigns is looking up at the heavens saying, oh, thank God that broke, that ring rope broke or else I probably would have not won this match. That That is what WWE was trying to portray there. And then Balor, and from the DM perspective, that top rope breaking sort of broke the sanctity of the, of the match and sort of threw, obviously, physically, from a physical perspective, he literally threw him out of his element if that top rope didn't break, the, those red lights would still be on, that music would still be playing, Balor would still be in his element, but no, that top rope breaking sort of broke that whole moment for him, bringing him back to normal in a way, breaking him out of his demon space, and now that spear takes him one, two, three. I think that's fine. I think that worked out fine. You know, it sort of saves both of, both in a, in a way. It saves the demon because uh, in a way... He was taken out of his element, and maybe for that one moment, he wasn't a demon anymore. You know, it took him out of his element. And 
for Roman Reigns, keeps the belt on him, keep on moving forward. Obviously, the belt wasn't going to be taken off of him. You have a big match set for Saudi Arabia, where there's millions of dollars there for WWE. You have a big match there between Reigns and Lesnar. That was going to happen. I don't know what people were thinking, that what, they're just going to have Reigns, Lesnar for no belt? You thought that was going to be the case? Are you crazy? So, hey, with, with I'm heading over to Saudi, I thought this was a done deal. Where, you know, I thought people were just going to swallow the fact that Finn Balor was going to lose this match. But I guess people are just really, really upset about it still. But I guess we'll figure it out going forward. We'll see what happens with Finn Balor moving forward. And uh, we might even see him go over to Raw. Might even stay, see him stay on SmackDown. Um, I don't see him continuing a feud with Roman Reigns going forward. Uh, I think you know he already had two big matches. He had one on SmackDown in the Garden, and then he had one uh, against him again, not a pay-per-view. So I think he's he's done with Roman Reigns, but I think Finn Balor will look better for it going forward. I really think he will. So if I had to give this show a final grade, I'd give it a B, giving it a solid B. You know, not trending towards B-, minus, not trending towards B+, plus, B. Average show. Average, average, you know, not in a bad way, but in a show that uh, there was no title changes, so I can't really give it, uh, there was no surprises from that perspective, but there were some surprises from a storytelling perspective with Sasha Banks coming back, Lily getting destroyed, the demon losing for the first time, um, setting up a big match for in a, for Raw tonight, you know, uh, Montez Ford with good storytelling, solid B. No, there was no title changes, um... No big returns, nothing like that, so I can't really grade any higher. But I think I'm really comfortable with the B, and I'll keep it at that. All right? And I hope you guys are happy with that, too. Because at this point, you know, you, I feel like you might be asking too much from... You might be, you're going to ask for something too much at this point. You're asking Roman Reigns to, to drop the belt to, to Finn Balor when Roman Reigns is the greatest thing WWE has had in years. Years. Why would you ruin that? You know? With the demon, people say, "Why would you? Ru- why would you? Are you argue back at me? Why would you ruin Finn Balor?" Then I don't think he's ruined. I think you're just uh, overreacting. How about that? I think you're overreacting in a way. So take a step back. Take a step back. Realize that you know what, what would you rather wanted? This match is going to happen either way. What would you rather wanted? Finn Balor to lose clean, the demon to lose clean in the middle of the ring. You know, I think maybe what they could have done was uh, have Roman Reigns pass him out in the guillotine. And would you been happy with that? He's like, oh, you never tapped, you never tapped, you passed out. Would you have been happy with that? Or have him lose, obviously not clean at the top rope breaking, but still saves the sanctity of the, of the demon, given the fact that he run he lost due, due to very unforeseen circumstances. And that's what pro wrestling's all about. You know, we did the DraftKings thing last night. I went over to a friend's house and I watched the, uh, the pay-per-view there at their house. And, uh, you know, we ordered food, we had a good time. And um, my friend was like, all right, I know nothing about pro wrestling. I know nothing about the WWE. I'm going to hand you my phone. We're going to do this DraftKings thing. And I want you to put in what you think is going to happen. And uh, we, were, we were doing pretty good uh, because it was, it was like uh, you had to pick certain things to happen throughout the match. Like how many foreign objects will be used? Will be over under one and a half? How many coup de gras will happen? How many spears will happen? How many people will get involved in Roman Reigns' ha- uh, um, Roman Reigns' sake? Um Will Brock Lesnar return was one of the questions. How will, who will win? How will they win? You know, the, those were all types of things. And we got seven, I got seven out of ten. Seven out of ten on that. Because I had, I got almost, I had everything right up until the finish. 
But obviously so, because what is, it was a free thing, it was free, and I, I said I made a whole podcast episode about how you should never bet on pro wrestling, you should never gamble on pro, pro wrestling, but this was free, it was a free thing, so it's like, alright, it's a pick em and you get to pick whoever, what you think is going to happen, so... You know, it was a perfect example. And me even explaining to my friend who never watches pro wrestling or WWE, pro wrestling is meant to swerve you. Pro wrestling is meant to, to throw you off. That is the whole point of it. You know, if it, it, the, people enjoy the NFL and baseball and stuff like that because it's set in stone. You know, the rules are never going to change. It's always going to be the same thing every single time. The field goal post is never going to fall over. But hey, in the WWE, that top rope, gotta be careful, might fall off, you know? So uh, I guess people might feel disrespected in a way because it happened in a way like, oh, you know, they had to make him lose because of that uh, top rope and stuff like that. But, you know, that's the whole point of pro wrestling, you know, to be swerved, to be thrown in another direction. So that's all I gotta say on that. We're running long on this episode. So I'm gonna end it here and uh, let's take a look at uh, tonight's. WWE Monday Night Raw, one match so far booked on this card, but it's a pretty big match. Big E versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship, and it's booked to open the show, not to main event. It's booked to open the show. So, to, at 8 p.m. Eastern, Big E versus Bobby Lashley, and I hope, I hope, because I haven't seen it in a long time. I hope as soon as the show starts, as soon as the the, the then now forever graphic is over. Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley's music hits, and that's it. The show, it's opening the show. I hope that's the case. It's not an opening promo, nothing like that. I don't want that. I want Bobby Lashley's music to hit as soon as the show starts, and then Biggie's, and then they have the match right away. That's what I'm hoping from this. If not, then what's the point on on them booking it and saying to us like, oh, start opening the show, Biggie versus Bobby Lashley? No, Just open the show with Bobby Lashley's music. Right. Also on, on Monday Night Raw, Fallout from WWE Extreme Rules. What's going to happen with Lily? What's going to happen with Alexa Bliss and Charlotte Flair? What's going to happen with the U.S. Championship? This is also the last show before the WWE Draft, which is a good thing to recognize. Also, WWE has been saying a lot in a way um, that uh, oh, tag teams can be split up. Tag teams can be split up, and which doesn't really make f- me feel too, too good because, you know, you, you kind of want these tag teams to stay together unless they're a tag team that's not really supposed to be together. So let's hope for the, the stake that they keep the majority of the ones that we enjoy together. All right, that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. Be a five-star listener and leave a review for the show. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.